Labor Day marks the unofficial end to summer and the weather is changing fast. In fact, our whole world has been changing fast. It seems like all summer everything is different. But God remains the same. Faith, hope, love, these three. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you. And we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Today, Pastor Teresa joins us as a special treat talking about essentials and non-essentials. Faith, hope, love, that's for starters. So let's check it out right now. Well, we have been talking these last months first about faith, faith over fear. We spent um, a couple of weeks talking about hope. And today, I would like us to complete the picture by talking about love. You know that faith, hope, and love are that wonderful triumvirate of what we call spiritual or theological virtues, meaning that the faith, the hope, and the love that we are talking about are not ones that we can just work up in our own strength by trying hard, but it's faith, it's hope, and it's love that is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit when we follow the Lord Jesus. Well, have you ever been told that you were an answer to prayer? Usually that happens when you arrive with a pizza or a casserole on somebody's doorstep when they have a sick child or they have not been able to get to the grocery store. Sometimes it happens if their car has broken down on the roadside and you pull over and let them use your cell phone. They will say, you are an answer to prayer. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be able to be used by God to be an answer to prayer to lift up someone else. But how would you like to be an answer to Jesus' prayer and show God's love to the world in a way that Jesus prayed you would. Think of Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, the night before he died, in that upper room after the Passover supper. Jesus prays for his disciples, and he says, I pray for those who will believe in me, that all of them may be one, Father, as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow, what a prayer that we could be an answer to. Jesus raises a question for us. How will the world know that Jesus has been sent from the Father and that the Father loves them? Jesus says that they will know that Jesus has been sent by the Father and that the Father loves them when we are a community of believers that love the Lord and love one another. It's out of our love for our fellow believers, out of our love 
for the Lord that inspires our love for our fellow believers that overflows love for the world outside of the confines of the church. There are many ways that the Lord wants us to grow, but our growth is not primarily measured by whether we have a bigger budget, whether we are collecting more dollars in the offering plate, whether we have more seats in the pews. It is a growth within that the Lord is longing to see in us. The Lord wants to see us growing in love for him and in love for one another. Remember Jesus said, those are the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds idealistic and inspirational. But how do we do that? The book of Romans, chapter 14 and 15, gives us some practical pointers on how we can grow in our love for one another. Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to ourselves alone, and none of us dies to ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. And there is a famous saying that summarizes this passage and you may know it. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty in all things charity. That saying is attributed to Augustine, the early church father. It's also attributed to John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist Church. It's attributed to the Moravians. That's always the case with a good idea, right? That lots of people claim it. But it's an idea that was based on this scripture that we just read from Romans chapter 14. Some think the exact wording came from a German Lutheran during the Thirty Years' War in the 17th century when Protestants and Catholics were killing each other over their different beliefs. In essentials, unity. 
in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. I would like us here at Tower Hill Church to brand ourselves with this saying, to burn it into our hearts and our minds, to remind each other and to encourage each other that this is the model of how to live in a community of different people in the church, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. First of all, in essentials, unity. So what are the essentials? Certainly, essential is the Lord Jesus. Who is Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, born of a virgin, led a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the dead on the third day, and is coming back again in glory when every eye will see him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what is it that Jesus wants from us? to know him, to love him, to serve him in this world, and to be with him forever in the next. As our scripture puts it, if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. That Jesus died and came back to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. This is no small thing for us to agree on, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that Jesus shall reign wherever the sun does its successive journeys run, right? His kingdom spread from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. This is essential that we agree on our worship of the Lord Jesus. No small thing to agree on. As you know, I'm one of 13 children. I have six brothers and six sisters. And my mother had read the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. And so that taught her that she should not give us negative commands. So you can imagine the amount of fighting, skirmishing that went on among 13 siblings. And my mother would never say, stop fighting or don't poke your brother's eye out. My mother would always say, be agreeable. And that was our mantra, be agreeable. Look at the wonderful essentials that we agree on and let us take from there a way to find agreement with one another. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. Our scripture from Romans 14 says, one person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So what is this telling us? That there are many arenas in the Christian life where one way is equally acceptable to God as another way, as long as the action is taken 
as unto the Lord, giving thanks to God, acting before the Lord as our conscience informs us. So the scripture gives us a couple of different examples of those things, holidays and holy days, how, when, and where exactly we worship. Carnivores and vegans, what you eat, how you consider the stewardship of your body to be entrusted to you. How many other things could we add to the list where different ways of acting might be acceptable to God? Remembering that people that are young in the faith sometimes have a sensitive conscience about things, and your action can be offensive to their conscience. The important thing is that the actions that we take, we do as unto the Lord, knowing that it is to God that we give an account. And understanding that we need to accept one another just as Christ accepted us. So in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. Give other people the same freedom that God gives to you. In all things, charity. That word charity in Latin is caritas, which means brotherly love, harmony. Our psalm we had this morning says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. To have that harmony with each other, accepting one another. It is always the work of living in a family, living in a family of faith, to try to find a way to have mercy on each other, to try to understand that brother who is so offensive to you, to try to find a way to have mercy on that sister who said something that you consider unforgivable. Don't forget that you could be wrong in your judgment of them. You could be quoting scripture and you could be applying the wrong scriptural principle to the matter at hand. Of course, it's soccer season starting up again. And of course, I always remember when my grandson uh, was on the five-year-old soccer team. And of course, if you've been to a five-year-old soccer game, it's always a fascinating uh, entertainment to watch. And one boy broke away from the team and was driving the ball home toward the goal. And he was suddenly surrounded by four other boys on his own team who were kicking him and trying to get the ball away from him and were yelling over to the coach, he's not sharing. Well, he wasn't sharing but that was not the right principle to apply at that moment of the game. The poor coach was so exasperated, he took his cap off and threw it on the ground and screamed at them, you're on the same team. 
Well, isn't that exactly what happens to us in the life of the church? And isn't that why we are encouraged to realize with humility, I might be misjudging. I might be applying the wrong principle here. We are on the same team. And when one person is moving to the goal, let's move alongside them and help them to the goal. And the goal is, of course, that the world may know that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so our scripture urges us to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. These are the hallmarks of a follower of Jesus. First, a Jesus follower is a servant. Remember the example that Jesus gave of washing the disciples' feet. And so we are, first of all, servants of the Lord and servants of one another. And we are called to wash one another's feet. Think about those dirty feet, the place where my feet hit the road, the place where I encounter the world. It's a place where I can get beat up, and it's a place where I may need some tender, loving care from a fellow servant. That is what Jesus calls us to do, to wash one another's feet, to serve one another and care for one another. So my first understanding of myself as a follower of Jesus is that I am a servant. Secondly, I am called to be a servant and not a judge. Our scripture from Romans 14 says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. They don't answer to you. They stand in the grace of God, their master. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor and theologian in the 1940s, and he is known for standing up against the Nazi regime, which cost him his life in 1945. But he wrote a very famous book that's called Life Together that is all about how we live together as a community of faith in a way that is honoring to God. And I love this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, the weak must not judge the strong, and the strong must not despise the weak. I think we often see that the strong can easily discount the weak and say, we don't need those people in the church. Let's just have the strong people do everything. But there's an insight here in his saying that the weak must not judge the strong. And we see that happen in the church also, that the weaker brother can say, well, those people, they read the Bible every day, they pray, they go to church all the time, let them take care of it. And so we can see that there's a temptation to judge whether I consider myself weak or strong. There's a temptation to judge those whom I consider on the other side. Remember, 
that they are not your servants. They are the master's servants, and he will make them stand. Always leave room for the grace of God. And finally, Jesus' followers are servants, not judges, but called to be peacemakers. Remember that Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Can you ask yourself, is this email I'm sending? Is this post I'm posting? Is this text I'm about to fire off? Is this comment I'm making peacemaking? Or is it provocative? Will it let the world know that I am a child of God, determined to make peace among my brothers and sisters? That's the test for us as followers of Jesus. Why? Why? What is at stake if we, as Jesus' followers, are united or divided? Jesus tells us that nothing less then the message of the gospel to the world is at stake. Because division is the enemy's strategy. Division is the way of the world. How many families, how many churches, how many workplaces, how many communities have you seen torn apart by division? But unity is Jesus' strategy. It is the work of God, and it is a hallmark of a follower of Jesus. Jesus prayed to the Father for his followers. May they all be brought to complete unity so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Would you like to be an answer to that prayer of Jesus. Then may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.